Uh, welcome to this, the first ever episode of Smart Welsh People, a new podcast by me, Dean Burnett, or Dr. Dean Burnett, if you want to get especially formal about it, which I usually request people don't, so bear that in mind. As it's the first time, I thought I'd just give a bit of background as to what this is all about. So, uh, myself, I said, I'm Dr. Dean Burnett. For those who don't know me, I, am, I appear a lot in the wider world. I have a lot of uh, outlets and a lot of presence in the in the mainstream, shall we say. I've um, I spent six years writing the Guardian science blog Brain Flapping, their most popular blog. I, I racked up a readership of several hundred thousand per month, sometimes edging into the millions if I wrote something popular. I've got four books under my belt and counting, working on the fifth. Some of those have been bestsellers internationally, so you know, that's, that's quite cool. Regular pundit, pop up in the mainstream in various guises whenever anyone has anything... They need explained about the human brain, uh, which is um, the most complex object in the known universe. It would be fair to say, is what I'm getting at, that I'm something of um, a public intellectual, I suppose you could call that, but I don't like that term. I'm, I'm regarded as the brain guy, so I think people would regard me as a smart person. But the fact is that when they find out I'm Welsh, they're often quite startled, which is odd when you think about it, because I was, I was born in Wales, I was born and raised in the Garrow Valley, just north of Bridgend, former mining valley in the village of Pontycummer. You know, my grandfathers were coal miners and my parents were Welsh, my grandparents were Welsh. I uh, was born and raised in this country, in the country of Wales, still live here now. And so, you know, given all that, it would be surprising if I wasn't Welsh. That should be the shocking part. But it seems that if you're a prominent neuroscientist or any sort of intellectual, uh, being Welsh is something of a shock uh, because that's not typical. That's not expected. That's not normal. That's not the, the regular way the Welsh people are portrayed. And over time, you know, that started to get to me. And it got to the point where I finally snapped. I thought, this isn't really acceptable. I don't I don't like this at all. I mean, part of this is guilt, I suppose, because you know, I've been a prominent neuroscientist or academic-type person for, God, 15 years now. You know, but I never really emphasised the fact that I was Welsh. I, I didn't downplay it as such, but I didn't think it was important. I just thought it was a sometimes a unique selling point, something to distinguish me from the rest of the, the pack that I was uh, running with. But you know, I never want to be one of those people who are just like, you know, I am born in this place, therefore I'm better than you. I don't like that sort of thinking. It's all too common these days. But I think I, I sort of got confused or I maybe made a mistake of thinking that that's the same as being proud of where you're from, proud of your culture, proud of your people. And I don't think I was proud enough because I sort of overlooked it and I realised how little I know about my own culture, my background, my history. And that's not great. But it came to a head kind of recently, I suppose, you know, post-Brexit, you know, everyone's questioning their British identity and stuff, and the Irish and Scottish, our fellow Celts, are given a lot of prominence and, you know, position in the news, but the mentions of Welsh independence are met with, at best, eye rolls, at worst, open laughter. That's that's not really fair, I think. And, you know, it's, you watch a lot of telly and things, and you see people from Wales only have been represented in the context of someone non-Welsh coming to Wales and being baffled and alarmed by the ludicrous locals, because we're all kind of daft, we're all kind of thick, we're all kind of parochial, we don't know what's going on, but in the outside world we're a very simple, loving, bumbling people. And that just isn't true, that's not my experience at all, I don't think that's fair, I don't think that's helpful, I think it's genuinely harmful in many ways and the weird part for me was from a psychological perspective is that we seem to have internalized this there are so many welsh people out there who actively live up to or big up or enhance or reinforce this stereotype and i guess i got to the point i was thinking that's got to stop at least a counter narrative should emerge at some point this came to a head when i was doing an interview for a book i'm writing with a friend of mine an actor who was auditioning for a role in a sitcom set in Wales, and the character was described as a bit ditzy, a bit naive, a bit parochial, a bit tup, as they say, and she just finally lost her rag and uh, did something a bit more creative with it, uh, very, very intellectual and a very sort of smart character, and they loved it, but they said they couldn't use it, because that's not what they were going for. And that just seemed to crystallise the, the issue for me now. Why are us Welsh people so often portrayed as the dumb ones, or like the thick ones, or just, or just the naive, parochial, like I said, just people who don't get out much and are baffled by the wider world. Oh, that's a bit much for me, that is. So yeah, that I thought I'd try and present another side to the people of Wales and the Welsh people. Because so many of the Welsh people I know, have met, have talked to, have been incredibly smart, incredibly insightful, incredibly accomplished, and have very valid contributions to make and things to say. And same goes for the Welsh people. And that side of us seems to be never really portrayed anywhere at all. 
apart from in our local media, mostly the Welsh language stuff, which doesn't really extend beyond the borders. So this is my effort to show that people of Wales can be, and often are, smart and have valid things to say and just are like everyone else, have, have the smarter side of them, have the dumb side, have the less intellectual, have the more intellectual, and you know, everyone else seems to get a fair crack of the whip, and we don't, I guess. And as, you know, as a prominent Welsh neuroscientist, it got to the point where that was bothering me. So that's what I'm doing here. This is me, my new podcast, Smart Welsh People, where I seek out and sit down and chat with people from Wales or are Welsh in some way, shape or form and have interesting, insightful things to say and you know, record it, put it out there to show that it can and does happen very often. And because, you know, given the backstory I just said, I thought the first person I should talk to would, would be the person who inspired this um, this whole endeavour. The person, the actor I spoke to was uh, one Caris Aleri, or Caris Aleri Evans, to give it a full title. Uh, Lidor in Parch, uh, if you're a fan of the S4C show, but the... Uh, the vicar, who is you know, going through troubling times, as we'll see soon in this interview. And also, um, we got together uh, for the first time when she sought me out to help with her one-woman comedy musical science show, Lovecraft, brackets, not the sex shop in Cardiff. For those who don't know, there is a sex shop in Cardiff called Lovecraft. And, you know, she needed a neuroscientist to help consult. And, you know, I happen to be a Welsh neuroscientist living nearby who is involved in comedy and things. So that was something like a match made in heaven. And it was her who first set me off on this road of thinking the Welsh stereotyping is unfair, excessive, far too ingrained and needs to stop. And this is why I'm doing this. So I thought I'd speak to Karis first about it. So what you're about to hear is my discussion, interview, sit-down chat with one Karis Aleri. Please enjoy. I am a love monger. An alternative peacekeeper, a loneliness combatter, Carisaleri is coming at you. Welcome, 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 welcome. To love, It's a bit like Shaq, but it's not. It's craft. Welcome to love, Not the sex shop in Cardiff. Life can be such a goddamn. Okay, here at the first episode, inaugural episode, if that's the right word, of. Uh, Smart Welsh people, uh, here with Carisaleri, or is it Carisaleri Evans? Which do you prefer? Carisaleri. Yeah. I've never really gone for the Evans. My yeah. mother was like, everyone's an Evans. I know, but also, maybe it's a bit too much Welsh in one go, because <laughs> Carisaleri, that's as Welsh as it gets. Then yeah, and then it's like, Evans, it's top o- five. Overkill, really, isn't it? <laughs> Excess Welsh, you don't, you don't need that much. No. So, first of all, I thought I'd uh, start most these ways, saying, on a scale of one to ten, how Welsh would you say you are? I see you probably a good strong ten, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't see any way. I, I put myself 8.5, maybe 9. My friend recently bought me a hoodie that said 1,000% Welsh. Oh, okay. Because that's something I tend to say when I'm drunk. Okay, yeah. So I mean, she got it made for me. Mathematically difficult to reconcile that. But yes, yeah, I'll, I'll but let you, know, you have you're it. You're going to go with that. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll just this one. See, the first one, so I'm not going to create animosity from the get-go. Great. Yeah, because I give myself 8.5, maybe 9. What my, do you think's missing? Um, don't speak Welsh, uh, much to my yeah. chagrin. I'd I'd like to. I always plan to. I still plan to. I will one day, just yeah. I don't yet. Uh, I found out when I was like 23 that my great-grandmother was Irish. Right. Uh, which is fine, I know, but it's yeah, also... But it allows mm, for a 0.5, maybe. I think so, yeah. It's a little chick. Nothing wrong with being Irish. Just like no. it's, just, it's just different to being Welsh, isn't it? Of course, so, um, of course. Yeah, sort of. From, otherwise, I'm from full mining stock, you know, Valley Boy, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Classic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much... Uh, you know, it's very much dyed in the wool, really, isn't it? So, wool, see, another vaguely Welsh illusion. <laughs> So, Caris Larry, tell us a bit about yourself. You are a performer, should we say? Or yeah. all-round entertainer, I'd go with that. Yeah, I, yeah, an all-round entertainer, I think. It's really difficult these days, because like, people introduce me in different things. and go, mm. like, She's yeah, a comedian, that. and I'm like, am I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good God, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is a new one. Uh, I'm an actress, yes. I'm a singer, yes. Now I'm a writer, and I'm a composer. So there's all these things, but I'll just say entertainer. Yeah. It's a good all-round label, which fits a lot of different things. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I, I had trouble with that myself. Still do, actually, because I get introduced sometimes as a comedian. Mm. And there is a valid argument to say that, because I've been doing stand-up off and, off and on for, what, since 2004, I think. So like, mm-hmm. we're talking 16 years now. Yeah. But I don't like to call myself a comedian, because I've never been paid for it. And it was never my intention to make it a career. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a protected title. I know plenty of people who've done one gig in a pub to four friends. 
And they got their own website and business cards the next yeah. day saying comedian and that's totally. And I get I get imposter syndrome as well because you know I I wrote a, a this comedy science music show and then I do extracts from it in other people's shows like I did Nick Helms Fuck Fest over Christmas yeah. with actual comedians who've been mm. doing it for years and yeah. I've been doing my show first thing I've ever written mm. uh, for the last year and a half and I waltz in and it, and it's like oh my god I'm in the mm. company of Actual comedians. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. For, for listeners at home, I like to stress that Karis is invited to do parts of her show in these other people's <laughs> events. It sounds like you just just turn up just and jump on stage, ran in, do a really elaborate heckle, which, is, uh, which, which again, I, that would be fun once or twice, but you'd probably get a bad reputation. <laughs> Who the fuck quick. is this? Yeah, that's uh, that's what's worth pointing out. So, um, listeners in Wales who probably might know you best from Parch, is it? Parch. Parch. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, I don't speak it. And that's, that's, I've only ever seen it written down. Get your X on, babe. Yeah, parch. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, my favourite Welsh word is Llyfrgell. Llyfrgell. Ah, library. Very challenging for newcomers. Ah, I had an ex-girlfriend nice. who tried to learn Welsh, and she's from Lincoln in England, and uh, that was a mindfuck. For... <laughs> it's the library. It's the place you go for reference, and you can't even say it unless you're born and bred here. So, But that's by the by. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I played a vicar for three years on telly. It was a drama, not a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a brilliant show. It was, the premise was that she was a busy woman, mum of uh, two kids, uh, gets a head knocked one day and gets it checked out because it's quite a big knock and it turns out it's a brain aneurysm they're waiting to kill her. So it's an unrelated issue to the knock. Uh, and so because of the... Uh, condition she starts to hallucinate the dead that she buries and they question her faith so that was that series i did that for three years and it was great i died gloriously at the end spoiler <laughs> <laughs> that usually comes before the reveal but yeah okay that's fine that's it was fine. such a great death uh and then and as i was doing that i knew this phase was coming to an end and i became i just wanted to do my own thing yeah, I could do that. Yeah, and uh, having been acting in other people's stuff for years, and then I pitched an idea to Wales Millennium Centre about um, doing a, a one-woman show about the neuroscience of love, mm. and I didn't quite know what it was yet, and it was <laughs> going to be funny, hopefully, um, and that was that. Well, that's quite a diversion from you know really serious, heavy-hitting drama lead to yeah. one-woman comedy music cabaret. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's, that's very much almost whiplash in terms yeah. of going from one extreme to the other. Absolutely. But, but that is how we first met. Um, yeah. It's a very interesting story for me personally because I'm a Welsh person and uh, people recognise that when they hear me say or do anything. And for a while, like when I do a lot of stuff in England, uh, where a lot of the literature festivals are at the moment, and I used to get people all say, oh, you're Welsh. Do you know Rob Brydon? Do you know Tom Jones? Yeah. Do you know insert famous Welsh person? I used to get quite annoyed because I thought, like, we're not, I know it's a small country, but we're not actually, we don't not all live on the same street. Stop being so insulted. Yeah. But one, we do, though. That's well, that's the thing. One evening then, I was about to go to bed. I got a phone call out of the blue from Rod Gilbert saying, like, Dean, what are you doing? I said, oh, hi, Rod. I don't speak to him very often. Like, what's that? He's, a friend of mine, my wife's friend. Is, it was you. She needs a neuroscientist comedian to help consult with the show of hers. Yeah. And you thought such a thing was very unlikely to exist. But... It was, and also, it was St. David's Day. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, how Welshman right. gets. Yeah. It was St. David's was well. Day. Yeah. I was yeah. over at Rod and Sharns yeah. uh, watching Carney Gumry getting Welsh by the second, <laughs> which is a song for Wales competition. Yeah. And... Uh, we were having a fun time and he was asking, well, how are things going? And I said, oh, do you know what? I never thought I'd say this in my entire life, but I'm a neuroscientist down. <laughs> yeah. <Sorry>. Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that was the thing, because I got this call then from Rod and then you got in touch. I think we hadn't spoken yet, but you sent me your CV straight away as if I was going to say no or something, which was very sweet, but also like unnecessary. But, but he, he was just like, well, I've got the perfect man for you. <laughs> what? Because yeah. uh, the person I'd been in touch with before was American and got back to America uh, through the New Scientist magazine and they're like yeah well this guy for one he lives in Cardiff <laughs> yeah, he's a stand-up comedian yeah I'll give him a call now I can do that <laughs> and, and like he's yeah. a stand-up comedian neuroscientist he lives in Cardiff oh <laughs> what is this it, angel it that you sent me does sound like he's taking the piss doesn't he <laughs> yeah totally uh, and he's, uh, he's he speaks Welsh and he sings let's <laughs> see how much he'll <laughs> believe in this bullshit <laughs> So um, I kind of trying to do Rod the voice when I'm. I know really I keep tick. doing it as well. Yeah, everyone does it. I think it's really strange. Yeah. So you got in touch, and then we started talking, and then you gave me your CV, and you said you were part of Charlotte Church's Pop Dungeon Choir. 
Yeah. Which, well, actually, I was trying to get in touch with Charlotte because you had met previously by someone else. Can I just correct you say it's a band? Band, sorry. Yeah. I thought, I thought you called it a choir. No, Charlotte Church's Late Night Pop Dungeon is a rocking band. Oh, good. Because yeah. I thought choir was an odd word for it, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know where I picked that <laughs> I up mean, from. I'm a singer in it. Yeah. It's a, it's a choir of sort, just just a bit... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen the videos. It clearly is a band. I just... <laughs> I also I have no idea why I used to call it a choir. That, that came <laughs> I out of nowhere, that. I guess. But just because it's Charlotte, maybe yeah. you've sort of said yeah. oh, voice of an angel must be a choir. So well, should it? Yes, <laughs> two Welsh people get together. That's a choir, isn't it? This is a choir now, technically. <laughs> so that happened, and then I remember asking you via email, "Do you think you could get a message to Charlotte for me? Possibly, I'm looking, looking to speak to her for this book I'm doing. It's about her experience as a child and star would be really relevant to what I'm doing." Mm. And uh, you said, look, I'm going to meet her now to ride bikes, which you never did in the end, it turns out. Yeah, but, I went to ride a bike, yeah. she didn't get the bike. Yeah. yeah. So then, then the three of us sat in the Wales Millennium Centre in Cardiff, the Welsh <laughs> capital of culture, chatting to each other, like, as she ate a bowl of cowl. Speaking of as Welsh as it gets, <laughs> that is like the Welshest experience I've ever had. I yeah, think. we're owning this shit. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, but then... People will say to me, like, so I didn't meet Charlotte Church. Was, well, Rod Gilbert called me. I thought, actually, we do know each other, don't we? <laughs> so we are a tiny, tiny, tiny country. Tiny, tiny country. So that was uh, an interesting way of making a new friend. Hi, Karis. Yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah. And it's been very fruitful. We've become very oh, good so friends. Far, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, let's see how well this goes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this, this could be the severing of it all, but, yeah. you know, uh, blaze of glory. But it could be another good death. You know? <laughs> never know. Never, never know. know. So, um, so you wanted to write a show about neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Um, why? I guess. <laughs> About the neuroscience of love specifically, uh, it was uh, it was just a revelation. I I've been subscribing to Science Magazine, New Scientist Magazine, since actually a decade to now. Mm. Uh, I think it was a life changing thing to have done. And I read, I think, do you know what? It was seven years ago. I can't believe it's seven years ago. It was two thousand thirteen. I was living in London post awful breakup, mm. and it was a. Valentine edition of New Scientist magazine and saying, can we cure love? And it was discussing a, a drug that was being developed to help people get over relationships. Now, it was specifically um, being developed for people in abusive relationships to break free right, from their yeah, abuser. Yeah. And they, what, what this pill would do, it would shut off the neuroreceptor for oxytocin. So it would stop the bonding of people, mm, would yeah. stop love. Uh, and that was just, that blew my tiny mind. And there was a neuroethicist being q and called Dr. Brian Earp and his stance on it was fascinating. So I just thought, can I talk to this guy more? I really want to know more about how we work. Hmm. So um, I tweeted him saying, pardon the pun, can I pr- pick your prick? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Slow the can I pick your brain further? And uh, he's like, yeah, do you want to Skype? And then he basically gave me an hour's lecture Cool. Uh, for free, just to, and that's what I love about the science community is that everyone wants to really share the knowledge. Yeah. Uh, we'll do that sometimes without being asked or without being wanted. Oh, without being wanted. <laughs> You're going to get it anyway. Oh, God, here he comes again, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it was pretty mind blowing. And then there's a, um, a theatre company called Dirty Protest Theatre Company in Cardiff. Now, they were doing. Uh, bit of their so they do like script in hand work five minute plays and they were doing dirty protest theater in a festival called true fest and the theme was space and time Hmm. and they asked me to write a five minute play and at the at the time i had neither space nor time (laughs) to write this bloody thing so my friend ellie uh she just thought just write a song just write a song and like like i'd done that before but then I went to Battersea Park on my own. I just had Eminem, Hi, My Name Is. And then I wrote a song called Space and Time, which you've heard, which I performed at your book launch. Yes. Uh, in response to uh, this drug. So that, you you know, mm. if you're post-breakup, yeah, okay, if this drug's available to you, you could pop it. But what actually what you actually need mm. to get over this is just space and time. So that was the seed of mm. it all. But For the benefit I was of listeners, just... I'm sort of in hindsight, I wish you hadn't done that song because... Uh, Never like that better than what I was doing at my launch. So, you know, <laughs> bittersweet for me, but, but crack on, yes. But it's a brilliant song. I might get a, get a clip of it, I might put it in here. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I said, Mom, 
What am I gonna do about this? I'm hooked on him, I just can't dismiss this She said, oh here we go again Another one down the drain Oh piss off mom, can't you see I'm in pain? Well he was no good for you and neither was the one before In fact I didn't have a clue What a cheater girl as nice as you So don't worry love, another one will come out of the blue But I don't want another one yet, I'm just not ready ma'am That's the point, I'm wrecking my brain to see how to get over this man I read this article in this magazine and soon there may be drugs out there for people just like me trying to get over dicks like him. I know it sounds grim, but it's quite progressive, don't you think? They're awesome cognitive scientists out there researching the shit out of love and they actually seem to care whether I'm going bananas or not. You see me climbing walls like I've answers. I just want to bust his balls, which isn't healthy. How to get over it, ma'am? And then came an answer. It just takes some space and time, space and time, space and time. So the album is out on is, Spotify, yeah. iTunes, all that kind of stuff. It's called Lovecraft, not the sex shop in Cardiff, by the way. I'm not yeah. sure if I said that. No, uh, uh, for the so, record, there is a shop in Cardiff called Lovecraft, which sells <laughs> sexual and marital leads. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you now a, have a working relationship with them as well, don't you? Which are is... they great? The adult emporium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do, because I've had to film so many trailers there. Like, oh, Caris, <laughs> yeah. how are you? Hello, yeah. hello. Do you, do you want to be me? the person who walks into a sex shop and says, hey, it's you? Caris! <laughs> Like Norm from Cheers, but <laughs> pull up a pill. Uh, it's really funny when I'm there, version. there, because like last time I did a trailer there was with Di Botcher. Uh, so we were pretending. Yeah. So she's such a funny actress. We were pretending that she was uh, the person that ran Lovecraft. Oh yeah, it's not the advert with Charlotte in it. Yes, it's not online anyway, because I recommend look up for the Lovecraft advert Charlotte Church. It's yeah. it's very very funny. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. So like uh, so when we were filming that, uh, you know they're not locking down the shop for us. <laughs> so like people are coming in and like seriously shopping for, you know, some DVDs, <laughs> and we're just like carrying. We're like we're, we're open-minded people. We're great. We're great. Yeah. We're you know my show is called this. Yeah. Let, let's just let it go. But we're still like, what's he buying though? Yeah. <laughs> But also, do these people want their purchase of nipple clamps caught on camera? I mean, that seems they like... They didn't seem to give a shit, Dean, to be fair. That's, that's, that's the best way. That is, mm. That's as it should be. But... Absolutely. Yeah, so that was uh, that was Trez fun, the mm. making a trailer in a sex shop. I bet, yeah. And I'm sure I'll be back. I, my, my ambition is to do the show in the shop. Yes. That would be ideal, but... But you have to change the title, because Lovecraft... Actually not the in the shop. shop. <laughs> When Finally, it is in the, the sex shop in Cardiff. But I'm not sure about uh, performing licenses in that That's place. That's entirely true, yeah. You could just describe yourself as a really enthusiastic punter, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Excuse yeah. me, can you tell me about performing licenses yet? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got me on board. I was like a sort of consultant for your show, and you had. Yeah. You, you, I mean, I remember I haven't been privy to the formation of a show before, not to, to this extent or this on this scale. Yeah. And like there was so many people involved. You had proper directors and yeah. producers and musical experts and yeah. consults and script managers and like this is this is a whole new world for me. It's like, yeah. oh, here, I'm just... Well it was a whole new world for me. It's the first thing I ever written. True, yeah, yeah. So I was literally making it up as I went along. Yeah. And... That's all right it normally works, but Yeah. <laughs> and kind of like with the with the producers, they were like, right because I'd done so much of the research myself. Mm. And they were like, you need a consultant. You don't have to read another <laughs> yeah. 50 books, Carrie. Yeah, yeah. you've, you've read so much. You Now you need to digest that and put that into property, into property into your work and just get somebody in that you can chat the, to the, this stuff to. So then they recommended that you came on board. There was a director on board, a dramaturg, so they help you sh- shape the narrative. Right, yeah. So I didn't, because I didn't know what it was going to be. Do you know what I mean? no. I wasn't sure if I was going to be do, be doing it through a character, but the more I was experimenting with a character, the more it was detracting from the science. Okay. I felt that it was devaluing. Uh, plus, all those songs that I made were were basically about the stuff that I'd done in my life. Mm. So I thought it was just detracting from the truth of it all. And I think we're get, getting to an era where um, we want to know real stories more. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, and I, and I think it was it just was 
completely right for me. But yeah, there was I think there was like te- with animators as well. So we had yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so Lauren was my animator, Marid was my director, Matt was my uh, dramaturg, Glesney's producer, you was the consultant. Then there was Costu, uh, Brownman as my music producer. So there was so many people on board. Mm. Um, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the label One Moment Show does perhaps mislead somewhat Absolutely. with exactly and it's how the many same with um, with Phoebe Waller Bridge, you know, like she's saying with oh, yeah, the bag. Yeah. You know, she will always say like, you know, without without um, script editors, you need people just creatively standing outside of it all and going, No, 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 yes, yes, yes. Uh of course it's you that's writing it all and it's your crea- creative uh idea that's being um enhanced in your way. But then there's people to bounce off, thank God, because yeah. uh, they, they were exceptional. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sort of, I think it's, it can be a dangerous narrative, this whole lone maverick type person, you know, like this this genius who just does everything himself. Yeah. And that's, like even every sitcom you see, like if it's one actor giving him someone brilliantly devastated one-liner, mm. it's very impressive. It looks like someone doing a great job, but there's about 20 people behind that one line, you know, yeah. like in terms of script editors, writers, writing groups, pools of people, performers, Absolutely. auditions, directors and stuff. So, and like, same with science, like the whole, the whole like lone genius like type idea. It, mm. it, just, it just doesn't work like that. There's no, no way... You... you have to have soundboards. Mm. You know, like, you know soundboards, you have like people like, doing, just doing the busy work, essentially. Like, not mm. one person can't do it all because these yeah. things are too big. So, it, it was really cool to see that. As in, even a one-woman show, mm. quote-unquote, one-woman one woman performance, definitely. Yeah. But well, even then, you could argue that the, you know, you've got tech people off stage doing the sound cues and stuff. Yeah. That's still a really important yeah, part. Yeah, Josh was my stage manager, come <laughs> life coach. I went, poor, <laughs> poor boy. He's literally like, I think he was 23 or 24 when he got, he was just exceptional at what he did. He mm. was, uh, he'd done a lot of live sound mixing in the past for the BBC, which is quite rare because sound was key. Yeah. Because uh, I was. Mixing microphones and sound, you know, so I needed somebody who was really good. But also, he has a theatre background, so he was perfect. But bless him, uh, (laughs) when he came into it, like, my life changed. As soon as I started writing Lovecraft, my father became ill. And so from the last two years, it's been quite an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and Josh has just been there. He's like, he's like way younger than me. And he's seen me in every emotional state. It's Mm. quite hilarious. And literally, Mm. Josh, you've seen me literally become family to me by now. Well, yeah, it sounds like you've you've gone through the ringer together in in many ways. Obviously, the show, uh, let's say the effort that went into it has proven... uh, Useful. Uh, yes. um, best cabaret award at the Adelaide Fringe? Yes. So, yeah, that was really unexpected. Mm. You know, being flown over to Australia was one thing um, and pretty cool. Uh, you, flown, you were invited to go over, were you? Oh, so P- yeah. Porik Kuzak is one of the executive producers at the Millennium Centre. So he's mm. what I call the International Man of Mystery. Okay. Uh, he's exceptional. He's part of the Kuzak family, quite big in theatre land. And he's just got amazing connections across the world and he just thought it would be a great thing to take this there uh, and he got us in pretty easily and he got the press in there pretty easily it was really brilliant actually what he did so all the hard work had done had been done by the time I got there so it, it was selling pretty well which is mad because nobody absolutely nobody has a clue where I am over there <laughs> so, it like, is literally on the side of the really world really so. <laughs> on the other side of the world yeah. And they, it sold really well. I'm like, well done, people. This is a lot of work to make this happen. So it was pretty full every night, and it was really cool. And some of my friends who live in Australia came over uh, and uh, so left on a quite a high. It was brilliant. Yeah, and then, I, and then uh, a week later, I was swimming, and I came out of the pool, and I got a text saying I won Best Cabaret Award. I was like, What? <laughs> What? Say that again? No, I, you've won an award, and I was like, "What award? What?" <laughs> so, and you know, there's people who were up for it, or people I really, really respect as well. So it was just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm on the right path." Yeah, yeah. No, it is a brilliant show. I've seen it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interest in. Yeah. Taking it further to, yes, in, in yeah. various ways, just leave it at that. So you, you're yeah. busy right now. You're you're a busy person. <laughs> yeah, my brain. It's really funny because you've become my life guru. Okay. That... Uh, and like you know, because I, I was touring. Not by choice. I want to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you've got no choice in it. Because <laughs> you know, like I was touring the show 
in the autumn mm-hmm. and I by this point I've translated it into Welsh as well mm. so it's yeah it's comedy science music but it's fast paced it's there's lots of rapping there's grime there's all sorts of information delivery kind of stuff um, so to translate it into Welsh was just mental and then to do shows back to back in both languages my brain nearly caved yeah i can imagine that I, yeah th- I, li- I was in rehearsals poor josh again <laughs> love you josh i was something i was i was so awful like i'm never grumpy i was so grumpy like <laughs> angry like people asking things of me and i'd snap which is just not who yeah, i am I- no, that is very off-brand for, for, so for you, off-brand. based on all our previous interactions. <laughs> so off-brand. And I remember thinking, and, and my, <laughs> I kept, kept saying that my third eye was tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's my third eye, it's gone. Okay. Uh, and then I think we were chatting, oh no, you shared a, a, an article that you'd written in The Guardian mm-hmm. about the effects of stress. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that was... You'd gone to a stress <clears throat> management yeah. class or something. Yeah. And I read it and I laughed out loud because I was literally textbook. Okay, right. To like... (laughs) I'm glad I helped, but I'm not glad that it was happening to you. But you made me laugh at my own extreme anger, anxiety. (laughs) And like literally, um, I was at a wedding and my my feelings of self-worth were so exhaustingly low. And I was like, this... I'm never. I never feel like this. This is extreme feelings, hmm. uh, and I, and it was at that point I read it. I remember in this, in this wedding on the day after the wedding, and I was like, "Oh my, this is hilarious!" I'm li- I'm so textbook, so that like once I know the show, once I, it's in, once I've memorized it, once I've got the first word out of the way, I expect my feelings of self worth <laughs> will increase, and and it did. So it was in re- really interesting to see how stress, how much stress can just trigger all this depression totally, and anxiety yeah. straight yeah. and that fast as well. So, but being um, aware of it was just like, oh, okay, well, I I just need to go for a walk. I need to chill out a bit. I, I do to- think that's a huge part of it. Like that's the first step, possibly the most important one is in when you're stressed, these things happen to you, mm. but just knowing that's the case. Like, you know, I find, like, if I'm having a bit of a bad time with a deadline or something or, like, pressure with combined family and work stuff, like, yeah. I feel crap. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that's because I've got this going on right now. Yeah. This isn't permanent. I think most people maybe don't make that leap because, well, why yeah. would they? It's not something you think about normally. Absolutely. So. You wouldn't make that leap. I mean, like, that's the whole thing about my show as well with the loneliness thing, you know. Uh, it says about the neuroscience of love and loneliness. And it was only through me reading science magazines for years. And a loneliness epidemic has been huge in the mainstream in the last year or so. But this Mm. has been contemplated for years. So when I found myself living on my own, behaving differently, I caught myself in time. And I made a bloody show about it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Channeling is something useful, definitely. (laughs) But it's because I was aware. Because I was reading this stuff. And, you know, and to I, I literally thought I was cracking like an egg when I was really <laughs> learning Lovecraft in Welsh I just yeah. thought this is strange I don't know how I'm gonna do I was terrified but once that was out of the way and and also it's my mother tongue of course I was gonna know it pretty mm. and it, it went in super fast and then by the time I'm on tour my brain is actually battling to remember the English yeah, yeah, which I've I done repeatedly yeah. You know how I've, at this point I'd done like fifty shows in English, and I I'd be in the middle of something like a song like Space and Time, going I don't know what the fuck the English words, the second <laughs> songs are, the second verses. I know the Welsh words, and I went cold. Oh, it's terrifying that. Terrifying. It? I'm in the middle of the song. There's a full audience. I can only think of the Welsh words, and I just remained really calm, and muscle memory took over. The words came out of my mouth, Dean. But my brain had nothing to do yeah. with it. And that's the phenomenon known as blocking in terms of you're trying to retrieve a memory, but something too similar gets activated instead. The, 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 the conscious brain cannot break through that. Like the brain's going, I've done that. I've answered that. It's, yeah. No, it's not the right one. I've answered it. That's the answer. And it's, uh, it, it happens in pub quizzes. Like when someone says, who is the actor who was in 
uh, you know, Mamma Mia, and you, obviously it's Meryl Streep, but if you think, if you suddenly think Helen Mirren, yeah. no, it wasn't Helen Mirren, but then you can't think of anyone else. Yeah, block it. It's like your brain's gone, no, I've done that. I'm not wasting effort doing it again. Yeah. Move on. But it's wrong, so you're blocked from retrieving that memory. So that's and fair. I think that was a big thing with the, I think for me as well, was like, why, my brain was literally battling me from learning this mm. in Welsh. Like, we've done this bit before. We've been in the rehearsing process. <laughs> it was tough. Yeah. Why the fuck are we back here again? So that was mm. hard. Human brain is hardwired to minimise effort wasted. So if you, if you try to do something again for no reason, quote unquote, <laughs> no reason, yeah, it'll be a struggle because your brain's going, well, I've done it. I don't need to do it again. <laughs> talking to my brain going like, this yeah. is for my Welsh identity. <laughs> yeah. This is for the future of the Welsh language. Well, that's actually good because I just wanted to ask about that because um, obviously, yeah, what part of Wales are you from? Tell, tell the people at home. I'm from a, a lovely village called Temple and there's two, well, there's an upper and a lower and I'm... Mm from the upper but I've lived in both I was upgraded when I was oh, okay. six to the upper uh, but yeah Tumble yeah. and where's that? Carmarthenshire West Carmarthen. Wales yeah. of course yes and uh, obviously like you said Welsh is your mother tongue and stuff yeah um, so it was a conversation with you which made me want to do this in the first place yeah. if you're okay to talk about that I'll, um, let's go okay so um, <laughs> Well, I was talking to you about uh, your experiences uh, with, the, with the, the drama and playing sort of such a dramatic role and mm-hmm. then switching and for a book I'm doing about emotional processes and stuff, which probably won't be out when this is out, but so no, sit tight for that if, yeah. you're, if you're interested. <laughs> I can't wait to read yeah. yeah. So we were discussing, um, let's say, tricky it could be to get stuff done in the local Welsh media and the, the Welsh scene and so on. And you mentioned an audition you had for mm-hmm. uh, a Welsh sitcom, which is out now, shall we say. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about uh, why that was uh, so frustrated for you? Yeah, I was just given a brief uh, that the 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 character was a bit naive. Yeah, uh, sweet and naive, and a bit tup, which is a Welsh word for a bit thick. Uh, and how and it just made me angry. Yeah, because like, why should Welsh people? always be portrayed as a bit thick a that bit tough. was the crux of the matter yeah it drove me nuts and i think obviously you're not going to get every character and anything's going to be like super super brains no, no. uh but i i just think there's so much of welsh people that are portrayed in this way where i'm not top you're not top and mm. like and and i think we need to celebrate that more yeah and that's definitely I have no problem with Welsh people being portrayed as less intelligent because plenty of us are. Like we yeah. are, there's millions of us. It's, it's, it, we 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 fill the full remit of every population. Yeah. But I just wish there was an alternative sometimes because yeah. I mean, much pretty much all the media I've seen portrayal every media portrayal of Welsh people, we are a bit of mm. oh bumbling, well, oh also, bum like, kiddie. I did a, a a radio play, radio four play um, last year, and they were like, you know, because I do several accents. And it was set uh, in Europe during the war. And I was like, okay, which accent do you want me to do for this tiny bit? And they were like, anything but Welsh. And I was like, <laughs> do you think that Welsh people didn't go to the war? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> They're that top. They couldn't pick up again. Yeah. <laughs> we like, have a lot of monuments to consider it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? I yeah. was like, oh my God, what's, what's the problem here? I don't get it. Yeah. And um, I think well, I, I did like your solution. You actually decided to ignore the brief for the audition. <laughs> I ignored the brief. The, the brief. I went straight in there with uh, a real kick-ass uh, character, uh, which obviously wasn't um, chosen in the end. Hmm. But they seemed to enjoy what I did. I really enjoyed what I did. But it obviously didn't, didn't fit into the brief. But I didn't. I couldn't bring myself round to. Um, them down essentially yeah and to lose my authenticity there yeah um no and like that is something that's bothered me a lot uh because obviously i'm i'm the neuroscience guy so i'm at least assumed to be somewhat intelligent yeah and uh, quite a few times now especially when i first i worked for the guardian it yeah. was all arranged via email so it was all text back and forth and i had to go down there and meet them the editors to sign the actual contracts yeah. and I'm in the Guardian headquarters in central London it's the Guardian every cliche you think of the Guardian is correct by the way <laughs> I mean that in a nice way so like, yeah. they're lovely but also like oh, you guys really play up to a stereotype <laughs> so I'm just sat there in the waiting area and uh Editor James comes up and says, "Hi, Dean. Nice to meet you." I said, "Hi, James. Nice to meet you too." He's like, "Oh, oh dear. That's 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 how you sound." Not he didn't say that, but you can see him recoil. Not, yeah, not, not disgusted, not upset. Just like, oh, okay. Oh God, I don't talk to many people with your voice. And, yeah, uh, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, and it was such an odd sort of feeling of, 
Okay, well, this is how I talk. I'm not going to change that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going like, to wow, pretend you're otherwise. You're Welsh and you produce this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I went to a really great um, a BBC Writers' Room festival before Christmas and Russell T. Davis oh, well, was there we talking go. and he's... That's what I like to get on this, to be honest. <laughs> so fantastic. And, um, yeah. um, and one of the things, one of the tips he gave everyone as writers was... And I was like, this is why your stuff is better than so many other people's stuff. <laughs> you, you're, every one of your characters needs to be as clever as you are. Mm. And he's like, even if you're writing Del Boy, to get Del Boy to do um, a scheme, you know, the scheme needs to be well thought of. The, the blunder needs to be well thought of. All these things, you know, it needs to be a clever way to get there. Del Boy is a clever character to write. Definitely, yeah. So that all that you so he was, and I was like, oh my gosh, can everybody just listen to what this man is saying? And yeah. this delightful Welsh man is saying. <laughs> yes, one of our best, I think. <laughs> one of our best. Clearly. So that, that, but that's the sort of thing I'm trying to get out there. Like, Welsh people are intelligent all the time. This sort of, this, <laughs> no. this sort of conversation just happens reg- regularly. Yeah. But it's never represented. And that's an odd thing. But it's, it would be easy to say, oh, it's because of the English media prejudice. But it's. We do it to ourselves a lot. Yes. It's a real sort of in, innate, ingrained habit of ours. And yeah. I'm sort of curious as to where that comes from. What yeah. Ha- even calling this podcast Smart Welsh People, I was wary of that because it sounds so confident, so brash. We've we both done it now. Like you said about mm. why are people coming to see me? And like I do the same thing when my publicist gets me book things. Like, who are those people? Why do they care what I think? And yeah. It's such an odd thing. Like it's an ingrained reflex to think, mm. oh, why would anyone care what I think? But... They should, you know, we have valid contributions to make. But I think it's a cultural thing, like this this aversion to saying we are good at stuff. Mm. I was wondering if you ever experienced that from a Welsh perspective. Have you, um, um, did you see, I've never watched The Crown before, but have you seen the... Oh, I know of it, the Abba, Abba, Abba Man the, the episode. Abba one, and the Prince Charles episode. No, well, I, I know these were very well um, thought of. Oh yeah. my gosh, the, especially, well, no, they were both, oh my gosh. Uh, but we've never had the money to be able to depict depict Aberfan mm. to to show the disaster happening, and also in terms of Welsh language on screen, you know every other um, language in the world can be accepted on screen with subtitles, but the Welsh, for some reason, because we're perceived in this way that it's not good enough, that it's top, that it's thick, that it's mm. it's invalid. So the fact that it's taken the crown, the yeah. monarchy, the stamp of the monarchy for this to make... Because, like, 50% of that episode is in Welsh with subtitles. And mm-hmm. hopefully this will now, you know, kind of open the gates for people to realise that we are able to... That we're exceptional in what we do over here. Yeah. Well, people think the Welsh language is inferior. I've never tried to learn it, clearly. It's, uh, mm. it, it is a... But it's, it's not a romance language. It's not Latin-derived. It's completely... Hmm. separate from that which I've always found fascinating because it has its own rules and structure yeah and I, it's I'd, mad yeah I'd love to learn it <laughs> it's but I find it's not the easiest one to start with if you're bad at languages anyway which yeah. I am so but I, I, I have a lot of time for it I would love to be able to speak it and mm. I have absolutely no time whatsoever for these oh this is, it's, it's a waste of money I'm in two languages on one sign if you can't read the English language <laughs> and a Welsh language sign then you, you shouldn't be on the road are you drunk <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with you <laughs> I can't look at two things at once. My eyes are very precious to me. It's just insane. Yeah, the, it does seem such a massive entitlement and yeah. so incredibly ridiculous. I th- but it's really interesting because I was in London before Christmas, and the amount of times I had to explain about our heritage, culture at all, the feel because again back to the crown I think the monarchy were being discussed and I was like oh god you know I'm like what do you mean you don't he's the Prince of Wales <laughs> and there was the documentaries uh, about Prince of Wales uh, on last year which was really good and showed him in his new house in Motherwell and Command and show blah blah um, you know and how he's slowly been accepted or like that he's actually giving back and you know he does a lot for the agricultural community there and the um, <laughs> the very end of it, like, so the begin, so in the sixties, the Welsh hated Prince Charles, but now they love him. The end. <laughs> like <laughs> what? I don't recall being asked about that. <laughs> that was... Okay, but the perception uh, outside of Wales about uh, our about anything, they, they have no idea. You mm. know, um, I was talking to my friend just about um, traveling. 
like he was saying, oh gosh, going to Edinburgh from London, you know, it's four hours. I'm like, mate, it's seven hours from Cardiff <laughs> yeah. and it's not that much far no, further mileage. Yeah, listen for London, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And for you to get to North Wales from London is three hours. For us, it takes four and a half, maybe five. Yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and they were like, why is that? I'm like, because they don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this that's the thing. There's a conversation that's so massively political here as well and it's just made just to be perceived as without much worth but it seems to become like internalized a lot is that we don't seem to give ourselves many props so i find like it like i'm I'm part of the welsh comedy scene or the cardiff comedy scene sorry because again for a while that was regarded as the welsh comedy scenes Mm -hmm. because it's cardiff isn't it what else is there in wales according to most people Uh, (laughs) you know the the self-promotional thing the ability to put yourself out there and say, I am good, really lacking in general Welsh acts and Welsh people in general. Like, there are a few exceptions. Obviously, there are plenty of people who are yeah. very good at that. But I, I find in my own personal experience, which obviously is just my own, not, inte- not necessarily universal, that we do have this reluctance to go, you know, well, I'm good at this. Mm. And, and I wonder if that's a cultural thing, as in like living next to the big powerful neighbour all this time. And, yeah. Got your many years of having us uh, taken for a ride and stuff, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe so. I believe so. I think there's. Uh, I remember when I uh, was working in London with Radio Four, so I won a fellowship to get um, Connor Beaton Fellowship, which is a great feat. You know what I mean? It's those regional auditions. There's a lot of people that go for that, and I got there. Um, and but oh my gosh, the feelings of inferiority I felt pretty soon in was just mad and I because uh my okay I'm very good at accents um performing blah blah blah, but I'm not really down with that much uh classical English literature (laughs) I can read it I can make it sound great (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not really down with it all and I'm not down with Shakespeare um it bores me to death yeah uh, unless it's done really well, um, so I just felt like, um, like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, because that's the goal, you know. That being that classical actor is such a goal there, mm. and 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 the fact that you don't respect that is, and like for, for me, we have amazing classical stuff back here, which is relevant to what I was brought yeah. up in. But there's a sense of so much privilege there, of course, yeah. and most people don't realise it. That's the no, thing. No, that's just not perceived as such. So no, no. It's just a done thing, isn't it? I had an interview at Cambridge University. And I got there, I thought, nope, not for me. This is not where I belong. <laughs> uh, Bye. Yeah. Nothing against people of Cambridge. Just they're like, this no. is a bad fit. This isn't going to work yeah, at all. Yeah, you just feel time. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, that wasn't their fault. They were just doing what they always do. Yeah. But it wasn't my world, and that was... Yeah, and that's why palpable. I've always, you know always come back to Wales I'm I'm so comfortable here Mm. I get it's relaxed um I mean it's very interesting because we are a bit you know less confident I don't know if it's confident but everyone's generally quite nice to each other (laughs) compared to London you mean yeah yeah Yeah. compared to London Fast place, place. Like it's. Uh, I, I've been there. I like to visit. I couldn't live there. It's not. No. It's not something I could really engage in. I mean, I quite. It's great. I like having spells there to get your brain fed. There's so mm. much amazing art and um, and shows, and, and it's just it's the hub of the world in terms of the, that kind of stuff. Um, but um, for me, I have I have to retreat back to Wales <laughs> every time. I'll have a spell there, but then it has to come back here. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I, I do, I do feel I'm around so much privilege there that it makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair, totally valid. I think it is an interesting one in that, like, I've heard so many stories of pe- people who have tried to make a name for themselves in BBC Wales, mm-hmm. and there's been very little encouragement, little engagement. Mm-hmm. They've gone to London, made a name for themselves there, come back, and suddenly, like, oh, you're a London yeah. person now. That that means you're proper. And, oh, uh, definitely. I so heard that. Yeah. As soon as I came out, they were like, oh, have this, have this. Yeah. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I was always <laughs> able to do that shit. <laughs> I've literally not changed at all, apart from I'm a few months older since we last I've had spoke. a haircut, yeah. that's it. And I've inhaled more pollution, so... <laughs> See, it's an odd sort of psychological thing, isn't it? London is proper. Yeah. And, uh, you have to get the stamp. Yeah. Go with it, get your stamp, come back. Yeah, we don't have a lot of 
scope for homegrown talent. And when we find somebody does make it through, they tend to be used for ages. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And I'm trying to um, do that at the moment. In what I want to develop, I want to develop it within Wales because it's really important to me. It's important to uh, to celebrate us. Yes, yeah, totally. This morning I woke up and swiped right You swiped right too It's a match, oh, it's a match I take my time to reread your profile Remind myself why I flicked that way And I see you, I really see you And somehow with this basic your name, age, location I know I die for you You said like you wanted to write a show about neuroscience reading neuroscientists but you're not actually trained as a scientist at all it's just oh, a yeah. genuine oh, no. <laughs> I think that's better. It's just a genuine personal enthusiasm for it. So, yeah, did that come, did that come out as a kid, or you always? No, I had no uh, no interest in science when I was younger. When I was in school, <laughs> it was just super awkward because I'm from Welsh language background. You know, so the population's smaller, so you tend to know everyone. Mm. So my biology teacher was friends with dad. So when he was giving me reproduction, uh, not giving me reproduction. <laughs> so you rephrase that? That's quite a uh, Oh, sorry. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> when he's teaching all about reproduction, it was just super awkward because he was like, and now my uh, penis <laughs> and my mouth. Your vagina. <laughs> You're just like, oh my God, get me out of here. <laughs> there are Welsh words for penis and vagina, but they're so sweet that nobody uses them. <laughs> you got to tell us now. <laughs> pidin, a pidin are wine. And it's interesting because wine, um, you'll see wine in a lot of places. Wine can also mean meadow or something. So. Uh, so it's very nature-based stuff because it's ancient. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But you'll see wine wilt as a place name, which means wild vagina. <laughs> <laughs> this is what people come to this sort of thing for. Yes, this is marvelous. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so you know we had we had wild vaginas, no. And then of course physics lessons was just insane because he was a sweetheart, always wearing same tank top every day. But um, he was an evangelist and creationist. Oh, okay. yeah. And I was just like, that doesn't add up at all. Yeah. I've met more than one of those. They're you know, evangelical scientists. It's an odd combination. It's such it, a, it does not, happen. So he was there teaching me Big Bang Theory. And then he'd be praying for lunch. And I was like, I'm off. I'm <laughs> yeah. off to drama class. Mixed with messages. A, do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> There's a beginning, middle and end in drama. And it's uh, fiction and it's fun. And I can't, I don't, don't get this. Yeah. So I was never really on board. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe the first person who ever says, this physics is too chaotic, I'm going to drama. <laughs> For some sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's my school of thought. Yeah. yeah, so it was years later. I was uh, I moved to Cardiff 10 years ago, and then a friend of mine, Gideon, who is, works in Pobola Combe, uh, but who studied zoology, but I didn't know that at the time. So I'd, I was working on Publicum. I was hanging out with him, having a few beers, and he had stacks of new scientists. And I was just like ripping the piss out of him. Why are you a fucking scientist, is it? And he's like, uh, I did a degree in zoology. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> yes, I am. So then I started flicking through them, and I was like, oh my God, this is relevant to life. Um, this isn't pointing out sweat patches and and oh yeah, of course yeah magazines yeah, yeah magazines. magazines this is not like uh, shaming people this is useful where we are in cancer where we are in environment where we are in space you know like um, HIV treatments you know like things that are actual relevance had relevance to the human existence so I was like oh my god um, 
okay. That, and so that was my route in, to be honest with you. And then but physics really was one of the first things that really got me. Mm. So then um, I would just buy loads of books. So it was genuine interest and not like, which is a great thing to get into as an adult, I suppose. It's not when you're younger. Yeah. It's like, oh gosh, I want, I need to study science because I, I don't know what else to do. It's like, now I actually do. I'm 37 now. Hopefully in my 40s, I would like to study neuroscience and start a heavy metal band. Simultaneously? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> As ambitions go, that's a good one. <laughs> I approve of at least one of those things. <laughs> don't you don't really like heavy metal, scene? I have no concept of heavy metal. I, was in, like, I don't know anything about it apart from... I know what it looks like when I see it on stage, but yeah. uh, it's not my... I'd love to see you have a goth phase. That would be so it's much fun. a bit late for that now. I'm like yeah. 37 myself and I've lost most of my hair. Yeah, you, it could be your midlife crisis. <laughs> I could, yeah, I guess. You know, if I live to be 80, yeah, I'm due. So that <laughs> could happen. Great. Might be fun. Well, I write a book about it as well. So. Cool. <laughs> the goth brain. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thing. Great. Cool. That's one of the things as well was I went to a science museum in London, I don't know, about four or five years ago. And there was a CERN exhibition there. Uh, and it just showed um, diff- the different main em- employees of CERN. And they were all mostly Welsh. Oh. Okay. There was loads. It was like blah 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 from Cardiff, blah blah. And I think the person who Ranson, who actually was Welsh at one point, possibly. I don't yeah, know. there was a Welsh person that actually was at the helm of CERN, and loads of the emperor. And I was just like, oh my gosh! Like a guy who's in school with me, he works there with that large hadron collider. <laughs> yeah, that's where all the smart ones are. They all pissed <laughs> off, to off to Switzerland. <laughs> so I was just. So I was with my friend, who's American, going, look at all these Welsh people that just are working there, the the largest like science experiment in the world. Mm. And they, I, I mean, we've always got around. <laughs> and I was actually talking to somebody who was doing a, um, oh, I was asked because I was playing a vicar in that TV show um, to be a part of this, um, to talk as a, a a non-believer in this religious festival who plays a grand screen. I mean, it's quite niche. Yeah. And I was telling him about this. Like, it fascinates me how many Welsh people get into science and, and in, in a major ways across the world. And he's like, well, we're from a, a non-conformist religious background. Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And we've always questioned and we've always been allowed to question. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, so that blew my tiny mind. You never thought of that. That's a yeah, good point. so it's not been, it's not an organised religion, like you can't question this or you, you know, mm. this is, it's, we've, questioning has always been encouraged yeah. within our religious culture, specifically in Wales. I think my father might have taken it too far. There's a legendary story from, because he grew up in a pub in the Garrow Valley and he once, uh, the local reverend was a bit of a tit, shall we say. <laughs> My father ended up one, one day dangling him over the bridge, <laughs> over the river, until he admitted there was no God. By his ankles. It's like, oh, admit <laughs> there's no God, you can come back up. <laughs> that well, is cool. And from then on, apparently my father would say, I normally charge 100 quid for funerals, but I'll bury you for free. That was his uh, mantra with my dad. So, yeah. Ooh, wow. Religious nonconformism seems to be quite a common theme in uh, I think so. I in, yeah. I thought I just thought it was a really good observation. Yeah, that's really cool. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's like to never been pointed out to me before. But now um, you mentioned it. Yeah, it's. Uh, there we are. Food for thought, Susie. Oh, thank you all. Let's end there because I can't really think of anything to top that. So great. Thank you, Carisaleri, for you. kicking this whole thing off. Ah, thank you, Dean. Interview, chat, discussion, I don't know what you call it. It was a podcast, because you listen to it now, so it must have been. But that was my uh, discussion with uh, Cara Saleri, uh, a, a nicer human being you couldn't hope to meet. Um, for those of you who are Welsh, you might know this reference, I would describe her best as a, the female Ray Gravel. Uh, I met Ray Gravel once, I had the immense honour of that, and 
a lovely human being, a better ambassador for Wales you couldn't hope for. And I say Caris fulfills that remit herself too. I said a few things which I would like to clarify here. I said I've never been paid for co- doing comedy. And uh, that's not true. I have been paid uh, for comedy. What I was getting at was that it was never my actual job. It was never like, a regular wage. People have paid me for comedy, but uh, I will say that nobody's ever paid me more than once. And there was a part where I referred to, you know, in a big production, there are people doing the busy work. And I I feel like that came across as disparaging, and it wasn't meant to be at all. What I meant was that someone is doing the most menial job, however you define that, but what they're doing is still a very valid contribution to the whole process, and it really should never be forgotten. It really does wind me up. Like a while ago, when the staff at McDonald's were campaigning for a living wage and all the usual blowhards started harumphing about how it was a disgrace and they were being ridiculously demanding, all they do is sell burgers, it's disgraceful, it's menial labour... But let me tell you, I've been in a city centre McDonald's at midnight on a Friday, crammed full of loud, drunk assholes, brain for cheap meat. I don't care what they pay the staff who have to deal with that. It couldn't possibly be enough. I wouldn't do it. So that's sort of what I was getting at, that you know, people who do the, the basic work are still an incredibly essential, valid part of the process. So that was the first episode of Smart Welsh People. Um, I feel like I learned a lot. I didn't know about the CERN thing. Uh, I don't speak Welsh myself. I've just felt I learned a bit more than that, and that uh, especially the the wine stuff, which is you know, which will stay with me for a while. If you do get the chance, please uh, check out uh, Caris Larry's album Lovecraft, not the sex shop in Cardiff. It's available on now on Spotify, Amazon, um, iTunes, all that sort of stuff. It, it's just a brilliant listen. I can't really say much more than that. I'm not a musical person, so I don't know. I don't have the vocabulary to describe it accurately, but just. Take my word for it. It is great. If you can, look up your show, Lovecraft, not the sex shop in Cardiff, and seek it out on Twitter, Caroseleri, and you know, just follow what she's up to. She's a very interesting person. There's a lot of uh, lot of things in the pipeline which we might see more of soon. For more details about my own efforts and where to find me, you can go to deanbennett.com. It's all on there. For updates about the podcast or to get in touch for whatever reason, you can contact me at smartwelshpeople at gmail.com or you can follow the podcast on Twitter at at Smart Welsh Pod, all one word as ever. As ever, this podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. For more podcasts, blogs, documentaries and live events for curious people with curious minds, visit CosmicShambles.com. The Cosmic Shambles Network is supported by your pledges on Patreon. You can support this podcast and everything we do at Cosmic Shambles for as little as $1 a month and get some great rewards for doing so. Pledge now at Patreon.com forward slash Bookshambles. Diochavald.